She made history becoming the first anchor to work on all three cable news networks. And she is celebrating 13 years of sobriety. Welcome, Laurie Dew. Hi, Thanks Courtney. for keeping it free with me, which we oh. also worked together at Fox News Channel. We did. We overlapped. Yes. And now you're out here in Los Angeles and loving it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I would imagine loving life being 13 years sober. I love being sober for any amount of time. And you know, when you first get sober, as you know, you don't think about the days and months and years ahead. You take it a day at a time. So if you had told me 13 years ago, hey, Laurie, you're not gonna have any alcohol, cocaine, or any other intoxicant for the next 13 years, I would have said, you're crazy. Right. But um, <laughs> you, you know how it is. And then you blink and you have five years and then 10 years and it's 13 years and, uh, Every day is a gift. Every day is a miracle. But it's still work that needs to be done. And we'll get to that in a minute. But let's uh, talk about you growing up in Atlanta and when you discovered alcohol and drugs and, and your using of it. Yeah. So I had a lovely Southern upbringing, um, you know, drank normally in high school, honestly didn't drink much at all. Then went to a big state university, UNC Chapel Hill, and joined a sorority and started attending a lot of fraternity parties. And we all drank a lot, right. but I never touched drugs until I was about 27 when I got introduced to cocaine. And that's when everything took off. Were you in New York at that point? I was still living in Atlanta. Okay. Yeah. But when, I know for me, when I moved to New York, did your partying amplify? Well, yeah, you know what New York is like. And any of you watching, you know what New York is like. It's 24-7, anything you want, mm -hmm. at any time you want. And I found that New York was a great place for me to drink even more heavily than I was already drinking. And then my cocaine addiction really took off. And it you know, got to the point where I had not one, but two Coke dealers who I had on speed dial back mm -hmm. in the day, who would would come to my apartment whenever I wanted. Right. Yeah. Now, at any point, because this was my my downfall, being working at Fox News and having the Coke dealers, did you ever think, oh my gosh, I could get arrested and then I will lose my job? <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I think you and I have some similarities is that we were partying a lot while we were national news anchors. Right. And I think... For me, the, there was always that kind of exciting, oh, I might get caught. I know that sounds antithetical to what you should be thinking when you have a national TV job, which is, mm -hmm. I've got to protect this job because it's a big one and I don't want to lose it. But part of me was sort of thumbing my nose at all of that and drinking and drugging with impunity mm -hmm. and almost not caring if I got caught. But I'll tell you something that's different when I was drinking and using, there were no smartphones. So had smartphones been around when I was at the peak of my using, I would have been much more careful. Okay, but, yeah, or you would have gotten caught by someone posting an Instagram story oh, of you doing a line oh, somewhere. I know, can you imagine? It would have, I don't know if it would have ended my career. They might've sent me to rehab. Right. I don't know. Yeah, they're known to do that at Fox News. Well. <laughs> Did you yeah. ever go to work drunk? No. Yeah. That is a misnomer. However, I would go to work so deeply and desperately hungover mm -hmm. that I wouldn't be able to sit up straight. 
and then maybe this is familiar to you, you would go down to the hair and makeup room and they would have to put me back together. <laughs> and one of my makeup artists cared about me a lot. She loved me and she knew what was going on. And she said, Laurie, you need to slow down or it's gonna kill you. Wow. And you know, no one else at Fox or any of the other networks I had been on had ever really said anything to me. And did I stop when she told me to slow down? No. But when I got sober and I came into hair and makeup in my first few months of getting sober, she was very proud of me. She was happy for me. And then I later found out she too was in recovery. Oh, okay. So it was beautiful. Yeah. We're everywhere, aren't we? Well, and being sober, I feel like we're able to sense when other people are having problems more, like whether it's sure. their physical or I almost feel like I can sense people's energy. Like the, oh, yeah. the shame is like emanating from them. I agree. Okay. So what um, made you finally give it all up? Well, it wasn't like I lost my job, I lost my car, I lost my apartment, I lost my friends and family. I still had all of that stuff. Right. But I lost me. I was gone. The Laurie Dew, who was that happy, um, nice Southern girl who grew up in a lovely home with a loving family and lots of friends, she was gone. And instead, this new woman had emerged in my uh, during my worst days of using this okay she's got a big tv job but she's killing herself on the side who is she and i just remember looking in the mirror maybe this is familiar to you looking in the mirror not recognizing the woman staring back at me mm. And now I've totally forgotten what your original question was. <laughs> <laughs> your, your, your bottom, like the my what, bottom. Okay, thank the you final for getting me back on track. <laughs> so it wasn't like I had lost any material thing, but a few things happened that got me to a point where I knew I was at the end. Um, I got in a very drunken fight with my father. Um, I started feeling sick all the time. I was tired and irritable and afraid of everything. I was totally emotionally exhausted, physically bankrupt. And the man I was dating at the time said, if you don't stop, I can't date you anymore. And he actually broke up with me after I got a nosebleed at the dinner table one night. Um, and he had said, are you using cocaine right now? And I said, no, why? And he said, you have a nosebleed. And he dumped me the next day because it was obvious that I had been drinking a lot and using blow uh, before our dinner. And then the, the final catalyst was my sister's pregnancy at the time. She was pregnant with the family's first grandchild, first baby, mm -hmm. and we were all so excited. And I finally had a reason to get sober for this unborn baby. And he is now almost 13. <laughs> so so what did you do? Like, did you have a therapist or because you didn't go to rehab, right? I did not go to okay. rehab. You know, I was too terrified to tell people at Fox, tell management that I had a serious alcohol and drug problem. So I kept it a secret. I hired a top addiction doctor in New York City. OK. And he helped. We started having conversations about why I was using how I got to this point why I was so afraid of quitting, you know, because I thought my life was going to be so boring. Right. Uh, once yeah. I stopped drinking and drugging. And I just thought I actually can't physically live without this stuff. Mm -hmm. Plus, I'll be boring. Plus, my life will be boring. 
And so that I, is the number one reason <laughs> I hear when people say they don't want to get sober because they think they'll never have fun again. And it's such a misnomer, right? right. Because... In the beginning, though, it seems boring because you're so present with yourself for all those hours. I mean, how many hours did we waste being messed up? So then all of a sudden, when you take that away, you're like, well, what do I do with all these new hours in my life? Right. So it'd be like, <laughs> OK, wake up, go to a meeting. OK, it's 10 a.m. Gym. Oh my gosh. Right. <laughs> what do I do with the, oh, go to the gym, maybe go shopping. And then by then it's only 2 PM. What do I do with the rest of my day? And what I know one of your primary messages on your show and what I try to tell people is that it is fun to be sober. Mm -hmm. It's the beginning of your life. It's not the it, end of your life. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Because everything is more meaningful going forward, the connections, the interactions, and you kind of just change like where your life was so focused on partying, even if you were traveling, say, like when I would go to Rio, like all I wanted to do was <laughs> hit all, hit all the clubs everywhere. And then yeah. you spend the whole day like in bed, hungover, so you don't yeah. see Thing. But now when I travel sober, it's like I spend like from morning to night, like seeing all the stuff and just you taking remember it in. Everything. And then there's no drama. There's so many perks. There's no drama. You know, I have to you you talk about being in Rio and partying and then actually missing everything that Rio has to offer because you were in bed all day. I once took a 10 day trip to Spain that I don't remember. <laughs> I was in a blackout for the whole trip. You know, I have a, a shoot pictures, a, maybe. I, I, no, I don't even think I took pictures. This is before this is like when we all had Blackberries or what or flip phones. And only when I got back to New York and I checked my Amex bill when it came in a month later, did I see all the different cities in Spain where I'd been. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. You got to go back again. Yeah, I know. I'm thinking, did I have a good time in Spain? Maybe. Well, yeah. so 13 years, uh, what was probably the the biggest like downtime for you? Like, I don't think you've ever like wanted to use or maybe you have. Like, what's the hardest thing you've gone through in sobriety? Yeah, I, I haven't really wanted to use. And that is a gift. And that is something that I thank my higher power, God, for every day. It's been relatively easy. I think, I don't know if you were like this, but I was so exhausted by the time I came into recovery. I don't really miss it at all. Um, I've had some family issues the last few years that have been extremely uncomfortable and difficult. Um, I have, you know, I had a big breakup mm -hmm. that I thought, this is so devastating. I don't know how I'm going to get through it. Um, but for the most part, there has been nothing in my life that is worth drinking over. Not heartache, not family issues. Um, I've lost a couple of jobs in sobriety, but nothing has ever made me want to drink. And I hope nothing ever will. You know, it's we know that taking a drink doesn't make anything better. Shoving cocaine up my nose <laughs> is not going to be a right. better choice right. for me. So. That's how I think about it. There's nothing a drink will make better. I want to tell you guys what happened to Lori, because while she is willing to share her story right now, when you had five years sober, people didn't know, and you were outed about it. Tell our viewers that. I was outed. It was never my intention to go public with my recovery, but I had been invited to speak at an off-the-record dinner in Washington, D.C. I was assured that it was closed and private and that whatever I shared that night would be kept in that room. And so it, it was a, a night about faith. And several people spoke about the role of faith in their lives. 
And I talked about for the first time, I revealed my battle with alcoholism and drug addiction and that my faith had been instrumental in my recovery. Whether you believe in God or nature or whatever it is that you believe in, you know, for me, it's about believing in something that's bigger than me. For me, that is God. And you could have heard a pin drop after I talked openly about my alcoholism. People were just, oh my gosh, did she really just say what she said? And unbeknownst to me, there was a reporter from a gossip TV website in the room who broke my story that night in the middle of the night. She wrote her story without asking my permission. And it was all over the internet the next morning. And I thought my life was over. Really? But then once it was didn't on the you internet, go? I, didn't you go on like the Today yeah, Show the Today and talk Show about called, it? GMA called, CNN called, Inside Edition, all these shows called. And I did all the interviews and went public and became an advocate for recovery that very day. And I, wow. I still do it to this day. And ho hopefully you will write a book about it. Isn't that maybe in the, yeah, in the works? Yeah, I'm going to follow your lead in writing a book. Hopefully you'll have better experience than me. <laughs> no, but... Um, I mean, what yeah. is what are your dreams now? Because you, you haven't worked in the news business for a few years. Yeah, right. Even though you totally still could. Oh, I don't know, Courtney. You still got Bye. it going on, Lori. <laughs> Thanks. That's nice coming from you, because you definitely still have it going on. Oh, well, thanks. But um, yeah, I mean, I know you do speaking. I do a lot of speaking gigs. I travel around the country and I try to educate audiences and really um, anyone who will listen about the benefits of recovery, what addiction costs this country in terms mm -hmm. of just in terms of billions of dollars. We spend roughly three quarters of a trillion dollars on addiction every year. That's a lot of money. Um, and we know that the, the cost it has on our society in terms of cancer and heart disease and wet brain and all these diseases that are caused by addiction, it is, we cannot afford this disease. Right. So I try to tell people about my story, mm -hmm. how great it is to be sober, but also to educate people about, hey, don't shame us, learn from us. Because mm -hmm. we are in a major health epidemic with opioids, with alcohol, with vaping now. We can't afford to ignore this problem. Right. And then you're also doing um, sober companion stuff. Didn't you just start doing that? Occasionally, yep. Occasionally. What is that experience like? Well, it's interesting. You know, it's it's you're spending time with someone who is in the early stages of recovery and you're helping them try to stay balanced. And you're, if they want to, you can encourage them to go to a 12-step meeting if you want. Mm -hmm. But really, it's about providing support for the person who may need it. Um, you asked about other projects I'm working on. I'm super excited to say that I just closed with a major movie and TV production company here on a show that is loosely based on my crazy life. And so we have to write it and we have to sell it. And hopefully that will happen at some point. And I'm also working on hopefully producing a slate of projects that will be focused some on addiction, some on other topics. Isn't it crazy? Because we now are beacons of light or inspirations or you're helping people through all different avenues. Yeah. When, um, you know, 10 years ago for me and probably 13 years ago for you, we were making everyone do cocaine with us. <laughs> Well, yeah, well, okay. Uh, yes. I mean, for me, it was always, it was like finding my running partner. Okay. Who is going to drink a lot with me? That crowd was big, but then secret, secretly it was, okay, who can I do cocaine with? 
but you could spot the person, right? We were talking about it earlier. You I, think we re- I think we overlapped of... on people we did cocaine <laughs> with, to be honest. And we're not going to name names because <laughs> no, no. that is not yes. cool at all. No, but no, no. Look, the TV business is a party industry. Right. It's a lot of stress. And so how do you relieve stress? You drink and... In, in my case, in your case, we drugged. Mm-hmm. Well, and over the years since I've left Fox, I've talked with other Fox News people who have said, I've never partied as much or drank as much as when I worked at Fox News. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, look, as we know how addiction doesn't discriminate, there's people who are in the EMS field or cops or doctors, teachers, nurses, they all have issues too. Yes. Uh, yes. And it's, uh, gosh, I, I would hope that people who are in the medical field, let's say a doctor or a pilot would seek treatment because mm-hmm. these are people uh, in whom we put our lives, in, in mm-hmm. whose hands we put our lives. You know, when you get on an airplane, you have to hope and pray that pilot hasn't been drinking. And right. now it's very stringent. They do right. breathalyzers. Right. Um, and, and if you're walking into a doctor's office, you hope that you're getting 100 percent care. Yeah. So I would hope that people in certain <laughs> professions would feel like, OK, this is a problem. I need to look at it. And I would encourage them. To I used to party with this nurse and she would give herself IV bags in the morning when she was hungover. Oh, <laughs> like nutrients and vitamins and, then and we lost, electrolytes. And then we lost touch. And I Googled her years later and saw that she had led police on a pursuit in another city. And you yeah. see what happens so when you drink when, and drug. Well, we talk about our bottoms being high, but like yeah. we can always get back on the train and crash into a wall. And I'm glad you brought that up. Because relapse is often a part of people's recovery. Right. It hasn't been part of mine. Thank God. Right. It hasn't it wasn't been, been part, part of, of yours. Mine. I mean, it still could be if we're right. not vigilant about really maintaining right. our sobriety day to day. But it's it's something that I cannot take for granted because I can walk out of here. You and I just no had one, a great interview. It went really well. I've been sober 13 years. I'm fine. Go have a beer thinking I'm OK. And then it's all over. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that we enjoy being sober so much that we wouldn't even want to do that. Like, and we can play that tape in our head because they drilled it in my head in rehab. They were like, you know, nothing is going to get better by drinking or using. No. And something else you probably learned in gratitude that I learned early on is, is, uh, sorry, that you learned early on in recovery is gratitude. Right. Having gratitude for everything. Making a gratitude list mentally when you wake up. Okay, I woke up sober, which is the best part. I'm about to have a delicious cup of coffee, oh, which is yes, my new vice. It's our new vice, <laughs> right? We drink we in recovery drink a lot of coffee. Yes, yes. Um I get to go do something I love to do today. I get to exercise. I get to talk to my friends. Maybe I get to go to a great meeting or uh, whatever. There's just a lot of joy in life when you're not living intoxicated. All right, so as we wrap things up, I like to ask people for their advice to someone who is either sober curious out there or struggling or newly sober. Wow, and I love that people are becoming sober curious. It's a movement right now mm-hmm. and maybe dry people, January, dry January. Maybe they try it for a couple of weeks or a month. But, oh, let me tell you, we are a testament to living sober is a wonderful way of life. So I would tell people, look, get honest with yourself. Stick to it if you can. 
live in gratitude for every little thing you have in your life. Mm -hmm. And if you have the honesty, the openness, and the willingness to give it a try, you can do it. Hey, mm -hmm. if I can get sober, Lord, anybody can. <laughs> Tell people where they can find you. Okay. You can find me on Instagram. It's just at Laurie Dew, L-A-U-R-I-E-D-H-U-E. I'm also on Facebook. I'm also on Twitter at Real Laurie Dew as opposed to the fake Laurie Dew. <laughs> I don't know why I'm Real Laurie Dew, but I just am. Well, everyone look out for Laurie Dew's projects in the future. Thank you so much for keeping it real with me today. Thank Love you, my you sis. Dear. Sober sis. Great All to right. see you. See you next time. Thank you so much for listening to Keeping It Freel, Conversations on Recovery, which is produced by KTLA and EverTalk TV. We would love for you to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And to see video versions of my interviews, head to ktla.com slash keepingitfreel. Find me on all of my social media at Courtney Freel. Have a great day.